the Plotcast podcast with the Potty Plotters. Well, here we are. We're back again and we are still the Potty Plotters doing our Plotcast podcast. This is episode 45. I I know, Julia. I know. I know. It's a shock, isn't it? We're still here. And I'm Elaine. And I'm still Julia. Which is good. And Julia, I'd like to announce that people have been finding us and making contact now i say that because usually we get this bit wrong and then the producer steps in shakes his head and all that malarkey but how do they get in touch with us and let's get it right so facebook instagram and x twitter at potty plotters tic tac at tic tac (laughs) how interesting no let's have a tic tock shall we (laughs) tic tock tic tock at the potty plotters email us naughtycorner at pottyplotters.uk or check out our website pottyplotters.uk if we get to the end of the year and we've got to crack this i think that's enough for me elaine <laughs> yeah, it is don't matter whether we can grow it's the fact that we can never get that bit right yeah and people who are listening if we sound a bit echoey we've had to come into the community room again on the allotment that's because it's chucking it down and it is cold and i'm thankful that i have put my thermals on today but uh, we we're not allowed the equipment in the rain are we Elaine? no in fact we haven't got a lot of equipment so um yeah it's best that we stay where we are but yes it's quite nice having a little echo gives that atmos that's what the young people say nowadays that means atmosphere get if you you're a bit older. Get I know, you, I know. Yeah. i've heard right. it the plotcast podcast with the potty plotters Right then, so let's get on with it. Um, planting, let's get some planting done, Julia, because people keep saying, what can I do for Christmas? Well, I suggest you go and shop, go and get something and give them away. It's presents, it's all that, you know, yeah. that's what people do. But we can be planting at this time of year and that's because I always think of you at Christmas going to a very big, posh, stately home. Oh, yeah, I think it is a stately home, isn't it? Yes, yeah, it Yeah, big, posh yes. house anyway, yeah. uh, north of the county, yeah. gold all the way around the windows yeah give and, another um, clue yeah Go uh i've got another clue right. they've got deer out oh. in the garden uh well the acres yeah. um and they have a beautiful christmas display don't they, they do anyway they do and you often take your mum there and you saw something that you were horrified well, at. well yes i was horrified because i went in their farm shop elaine uh, this was a couple of years ago so goodness knows what it is now but i went in their farm shop and i looked and i found a very tiny box of pea shoes and i was horrified they were three pound fifty that's quite a lot of money, isn't it? it Particularly is. in this day and age when you can grow your own. So we're going to tell you how to do it. It is dead simple. The hardest part, we struggled with this, didn't we? Yeah. Eating a whole box of chocolates in 24 hours. Yeah. But we managed it, didn't we? <laughs> I mean, we'll give it a go. We'll give it a go. <laughs> right then, at this time of year, you'll see uh, boxes of chocolates on offer in all the big supermarkets and they're the plastic boxes and you might ooh and ah and say oh no don't do any plastic actually yes let the kids and all your relatives eat the chocolates if you must or hide them that's another clue that we do and uh, then get the box now then you've got the box and you've got the lid what i would say is keep both because you need both and all that you need to do is whack some holes in the bottom of the container then Pile in your multi-purpose compost or it doesn't matter, you can use soil and then pat it down. Pat it down so that it's quite firm. Now what you need to do is wet it 
wet it good and proper. You're looking horrified, Julia, but you do need to wet it okay. and you wet it now because it will be harder to do in a little while otherwise. And I need to keep these seeds from rolling all over the place. Okay. So now what you need is a box of bigger peas. B-I-G-G-A. Bigger. They're made. They, you make your mushy peas from okay, that, don't yeah, you? Yeah. yeah. So you when, you s- when you say mushy peas, bigger peas, you have to get the dried peas and not the mushy ones that are actually in the uh, tins. Them tins. No. no, we're not growing tins, Julia. Uh, we are on episode uh, 45 and you're just working out that we're growing stuff rather than opening tins of vegetables. <laughs> It's a sad day and, um, yeah. The only reason I mention it, Elaine, is I don't want people going out and buying a tin of mushy peas and then just uh, spilling them all over the top of the compost. That's not going to work, is it? No, it's not. What you really do need are the dried peas, mm-hmm. and uh, but we're not going to make them into mushy peas. Okay. What we're going to do is we're going to set them. So now just get a handful of those dried peas out of the box and pop them onto the top. Now I'm doing it like it's in front of me, but push each one into the wet soil that you've got in front okay. of you and make sure that they're covered. So Pile it all over now so that they're well and truly snug inside. And then what I actually do is put the top under the bottom. Have you got Yes, that? I've got that. To right. act as like a dish to That's collect the water. Right. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. that will save your windowsill because now what you're going to do is you're going to put that on your windowsill. Julia, you don't have to go to any posh place for Christmas. You can have your own mushy peas that are not because these <laughs> are going to be pea shoots. And ah. all you do is you cut them as you need them. They'll only take a couple of weeks to get going. Try oh. it. And I'll have a, probably, what, two or three cuttings off them? At least. Oh, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And I'll have spent the same £3.50 on my tub of chocolates but eating all the chocolates so that's a bonus it is a bonus actually should have thought of that hints and tips for shortcuts to success the potty plotters plotcast right then julia enough of all that nonsense about christmas christmas will come christmas will go it'll still be the 25th of december whether you like it or not let's have a chat to andy perry now andy perry we had a lovely chat with didn't we yeah we did and he is from urban herbs in birmingham Right. So okay. he's only just up the road and he does the work with Kate Perry. Yes. Not to be confused with any other celebrity. Not Katie Perry. No, no not no, at all. Okay. No. And they know what they're talking about. Now, all I can say is that we came up with five herbs that we've planted over the last 12 months. So let's see if Andy can beat that number. I could talk about herbs all day and I could suggest herbs for England. So If you wanted me to limit my suggestions to just five today, I could give you a different five tomorrow. Wow. But but that's the magical thing about herbs, you see, that they are so different for so many different people. And, for example, if you were interviewing my wife, she would recommend a different favourite five. Midsummer, I would suggest five varieties that I love in the month of July. And... Going into the winter months, there's so many different herbs that I literally just can't get enough of when the mercury starts to fall. It's really interesting because I can't think of more than five, to be honest with you, Elaine. And, you know, when we think of herbs, I think of cooking. But I suppose you're thinking about herbs in a different way because are you using them for flavouring drinks? Or, I mean, you know, how can we use herbs in a different way? Because we are, I wouldn't say old, 
but we are. Um, and the only thing that I can think of about herbs at the moment is um, yesterday we were doing an edible, edible wreath yeah. and uh, we were just on site looking for the biggest rosemary bush we could find to prune it because uh, we like to prune prune the bush and, and use it in the um, in the edible wreath. So what would we use thousands of herbs for? Well, I guess the question we need to ask right at the start of this chat is how far down the herb geek rabbit hole do we want to go today? <laughs> we want to go right to the end in the burrow bit. Yes, come on, let's get in there. When, I, right. when I've listened to your podcast, because you do a podcast yes. as well, don't you, Andy, with your lovely wife? Kate. We do, we do, yeah. And I mean, for, for those of you listening to this, the, we launched the Growing Up podcast. And I, I'm not joking, we only did so because we wanted to create time to talk to each other. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't start saying things like that. Our husbands will want to join in. It's a great idea. Why don't you do it? No, <laughs> no, they haven't got a clue. <laughs> do you know, it, it? we started it just literally to talk to each other about about life, really, about our attitudes to growing things. But we've genuinely had some really beautiful moments just together in the studio, which, oh. you know, we share with thousands of people. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm racking my brain, guys. I want to take you down the herb geek rabbit hole. So you just mentioned rosemary. Yeah. You do an edible wreath with some rosemary. Well, my day job is that when I run urban herbs, we stock literally, I think last year we stocked 130 different varieties of herb plant. And some of them are very, very similar to each other. So for example, we, we stocked, I think 25 different varieties of lavender, for example. But let's just take rosemary. We definitely stock rosemary, but not as you know it, Jim. So you've got normal rosemary, which, by the way, I'm not knocking. It's absolutely delicious. It's a classic. We also stock barbecue rosemary. So that's common rosemary, but it's got a little bit of a smoky kick to it. It's absolutely delicious. You can put it with savoury dishes. You can put it in a cocktail. And you know the sprig of the rosemary? It looks really good actually coming out of a cocktail glass. You've got trailing rosemary, which it's been bred to have a softer stem. So it's naturally going to spill and trail. And the chefs that we work with, they absolutely love trailing rosemary because they reckon that the stem is a bit softer and the flavor is more succulent. And then in 2023, for the very first time, we actually launched a new variety for us, which was ginger flavored rosemary. Can you imagine how bizarre a flavour that is. Again, I've got to say, it works really well in a cocktail. For those of you listening to this, the hosts of the podcast have got big smiles on their faces right now. (laughs) But honestly, the ginger flavour comes across so strongly. You know, for some of the herbs that we grow, the flavour is just a hint. I'm going to say it really quietly, but for some of them, you have to use your imagination a little bit. With ginger rosemary, the ginger is so strong. It's so almost overpowering and it makes me love what i do what puzzles me is where do you find these how how do you come across these these yeah because it's not the thing that you would find in a supermarket or uh trotting down the street to the local farmer's market you know uh, yeah where do you have to go out traveling across the world to find all these exotic kind of mixes i suppose i guess part of my job is that i am a collector so when we set up urban herbs we actually set it up to be an old fashioned kind of plant collection. So 
a bit like Pokemon. You've got to catch them all, you know. You've got to get them <laughs> all in, in our polytunnel, one example of each. To answer your question, you know, they are pre-existing varieties, but they are actually cross-bred or selectively bred to encourage certain characteristics. Let's take a random one, so chocolate mint. Love it. Chocolate mint. I mean, it was the original for me. You know, when I first started doing this job, I remember being on a farmer's market and somebody rubbed the leaf and I saw their face change in that instant. And to me, that's what I love about my job because I get to live vicariously through my customers again. But chocolate mint, how do you create it? Well, in effect, it's selectively bred to encourage certain characteristics. So chocolate mint is a member of the peppermint family, but it's been selectively bred to have a little bit of a sweeter flavour. And the combination of the sweetness and the peppermint flavour combined together to give you that flavour of, you know, like really pure, sweet chocolate. Yeah. Now, people listening to this might be thinking, mm, okay, it sounds funny. It sounds interesting. But what do you do with it? Yeah. Mm. My gram was completely right. It would ruin your mint sauce. <laughs> <laughs> but then with something like chocolate mint, what you're going to be using it for is you're going to be harnessing that sweet flavour. So straight away, it makes a great herbal tea. Imagine a sweet peppermint herbal tea. Amazing. You can put it on the top of ice cream as a, as a topping. And some of our customers have even used it to bake. And yeah. one, of the, one of the chefs that we actually work with, he has done dishes where he's actually combined it with red meat because it makes sense, you know, because on, on the continent, you know, you would have chocolate sauce quite commonly on a steak. And that illustration there about chocolate mint, it just shows how diverse and powerful these herb plants are. Because from that one variety, I've just given you a load of meal options. You know, you, you've got your herbal tea, you've got your meat, you've got your dessert, you've got baking. And I guess in a way, that's what these herb plants do. They inspire you. You know, they're not just plants that you plant there and that looks nice and oh, I'll have that again next year. Straight away, as soon as you encounter one of these unusual varieties of herb plant, your brain starts going. And you start thinking, well, what can I do with that? In the case of ginger rosemary, I mean, I thought I was quite desensitized to all these wonderful varieties. I really, I really, in all seriousness, I, I thought I was over it. You know, when, you, when you're working with these varieties all day long, you think you can't be amazed anymore. And then you meet a variety that looks like rosemary and it tastes of ginger. That's really special, isn't it? It sounds fantastic. I mean, I think, you you know, you are dead right in that as soon as you touch a plant that smells, I mean, co chocolate cosmos, for instance, it makes you want to taste it. So I do get where you're coming from with all of that. It's for me up here, I think we grow so many basic herbs that we've never sort of adventured mm -hmm. into the varieties that you do. And the other thing is up here, what we do, Andy, is when people start to take an allotment, they immediately start talking about where the herb patch is going to be. And I usually grimace at that time. I'm too old for it all. And I say, take them home. Don't bring them up here because by the time you've got them home, they'll be wilted. So for me, it's about growing them at home in a safe place that then when you are cooking you can just go and fetch your mint for instance on your new potatoes what's the point of having them three miles away up the allotment so i mean what would we do would we create a new herb bed do you keep all of your herbs separate how do you go ab about changing and and choosing there's so many varieties to put them all together so that you get the most out of yeah. them 
I think that's really interesting what you've just said, because we grow and stock so many different varieties of herb plants. And one of the really, really sort of fundamental starting points about, for me, growing herbs is that, you know, when people talk about giving advice about herb growing, and so often people will say, well, how do you grow herbs? Or how do you grow mixed herbs? And for me, I think you've got to be quite specific and you've got to start almost dividing the herbs into categories. Divide the herbs into two categories initially herbs that want free draining conditions and herbs that want more moist conditions. There's more herbs that are in the first category than the second. So varieties like rosemary, thyme, sage, oregano, they want to be free draining. If your ground is not particularly free draining, I'd put them in a pot. The other category, those that want to be a bit more moist, you've got some options. If you are planting in the ground and it's quite rich, happy days. If it's not, you can work a bit of organic material into the ground just to hold the moisture in a little bit more. If you put them in a container, the herbs that want to be free draining, work some grit into the potting mix just to help them soak away. For those that want to be a bit more moist, again, you can just work that organic material into the potting mix. Varieties like mint, or there's a new variety that I absolutely love called Japanese parsley, big leaf, salad leaf, wild rocket, bonnet salad, celery leaf, varieties like that will want to be a bit more moist. So straight away, we've just divided the herbs into two categories, those that want to be free draining and those that want to be a bit more moist. Let's go a bit further. Let's divide the herbs into some more categories. So you've got your annual herbs. And this is what most people I find base their overall herb care around. So you've got your annuals such as basil, coriander, dill. And these are like fireworks. You plant them, you enjoy them, and that's it. You've got your perennials. You've got things like mint, parsley. They're going to grow for the season. They're going to lose their foliage. You've got your perennial evergreen herbs. And they're like your skyscrapers, your structural herbs. They're going to be there 12 months of the year, rain or shine. They're going to be there. And then where my job gets quite interesting is there's a few that are in between varieties like pineapple sage, which um, not very hardy. It's got the best label in the world. If you look at any plant label, it will say half hardy. It really annoys me because it, <laughs> it, it is or it isn't, right? Um, yeah. In the case of pineapple sage, it really isn't. But it's cousin, blackcurrant sage, is much more hardy. We're sort of, we're in a tropical climate compared to yourselves just down the road in Birmingham. <laughs> but we leave blackcurrant sage outside and it will survive most winter conditions. What I would say is that there are some varieties that I wouldn't perhaps plant at the allotment, varieties that you're, you're going to use a lot and you're going to use on a nightly basis. So things like sort of rosemary, oregano. For me, there's a variety called hot and spicy oregano that I just can't live without. But then there's other herbs that are just so prolific, so low maintenance, so productive that actually I, I always describe them as the perfect kind of like plant them and forget about them herbs that if you've got a little area at the allotment that you want to fill. So varieties like Burnett salad, that is absolutely prolific and not in an invasive way, but it just it keeps on going. Um, wild rocket celery leaf for me they are the ultimate kind of allotment cut and come again sources yeah, of yeah. salad because they're so low maintenance based on when this podcast is going to be released i might not have released this on social media myself yet but this year um those people that actually follow my personal account andy grows herbs on instagram you'll see that i've been doing a little bit of a project in my front garden back in february i'm sure you will both remember that in the uk um, there was actually a shortage of fresh fruit and veg. Yeah. yeah. And in our local well-known budget supermarket, there was actually labels 
put onto all the boxes of veg saying, you know, only one courgette per customer, only one yeah. bag of salad per customer. But around that time, um, my wife, um, she'd actually fallen down the stairs and she, she'd broken her leg. So I was doing all the shopping for the first time in about 10 years. And I was walking around the supermarket, you know, like a time traveler. Yeah. <laughs> because I was walking around the supermarket and I, I couldn't believe the cost of the food. Yeah. yeah. Myself and Kate, we live in a very down to earth area. You know, there's a lot of people who live around us, you know, who aren't on very high incomes. It really hit me when I was in the supermarket that there must be a lot of people who are having to make really tough decisions, you know, not a lot of dramatic, but when you get to the checkout, you have to add up your money and you think, oh, hang on a minute, I've got to take something out of my basket. Yeah. And I'll tell you something, I can tell you, I bet it's the fresh salad, yeah, yeah. you know, that's the first thing that comes out. <clears throat> yeah, of yeah, definitely, definitely. So anyway, I got home, I went onto Instagram and I broke one of the cardinal rules of social media. I posted while I was upset and I was angry. Ooh. And I looked into the camera and I said, this is not, this isn't right. That people from, you know, areas like the one that I live in, there's almost like a perception that growing things is a rich kid's game. And it really isn't. You know, people in areas like mine should be growing food because actually if you grow, and this is the key, expensive ingredients in small quantities, you can save yourself money. Yeah, yeah. Which is what we try. Yeah, to I mean say that's what we always advise. Yeah, we always advise people either grow something that you really, really love, or yeah. something that's expensive to uh, purchase in the shops. And yeah, yeah. And it works. Yes, it? yeah. But I mean, when Elaine is minister for allotments, yes, um, everybody will have an allotment, whether and, you like it or not, and they will have a greenhouse they as well. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because when I started talking about this, I thought the reaction was really, really interesting. Because don't get me wrong, you know, there was a lot of positive reaction, but there was also a bit of a backlash because a lot of people reached out to me and said, you know, don't get me wrong, like what you're doing and all this, but you can't save money by growing your own. Okay. Whenever somebody tells me that I can't do something, it's a bit like a red rag to a bull. So what I actually did was I dug up my front garden. You know, we live in a formal council house and we've got a tiny front garden. It's about three meters by three meters. So I dug it up and I turned it into a food growing space. And I'm a bit OCD, so what I did was I set up a spreadsheet and every single time <laughs> I harvested something from the front garden, I made a note of it and I rounded it down and I sort of worked out what that would have cost from the local supermarket. And I've kept a score all the way through the year. I kept all the receipts. I worked out how much it cost me to do the front garden. And the results are absolutely fascinating. Probably since around mid-March, we haven't had to buy any salad from the supermarket. I find that this project of mine because it's been so almost done to prove a point, it's yeah. actually taught me a lot. Yeah. Because the reaction of people I found so interesting. We recently recorded a couple of podcasts with James Wong, and he. It sounds a bit bizarre, really, but he had quite a strong effect on my sort of professional life. Because back in 2013, we were doing a show down in London where I heard him speak, and he he came out with this line again and again and again that it's not about being self sufficient. People try and sell you this kind of this dream that, you know, oh, you're going to be self-sufficient. You're going to live off grid. And it was interesting because a lot of the negative reaction that I got was from that perspective. It was this idea that, you know, you're not going to be able to be self-sufficient growing in your front garden. Well, you know, that's not really the objective. You know, the objective, to be brutally honest, is to save, you know, first of all, save £100 a month and then save £150 a month and then go from there. The project has also had some other very interesting side effects. 
you know, such as, you know, we've actually got to know the people in our local area much better. <laughs> but I can tell you something, where we live, the reaction of people has been astonishing. None of the negative reaction has come from people yeah. locally. Every single person that I've spoke to gets it. Andy, has it set a trend? Have, have the neighbours started to do it? Is anyone following what you're doing in that neighbourhood? The answer is no. And again, you know, I, I shared this message that you know, doing this, I think, is quite revolutionary. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that caused a little bit of a, a debate about the semantics of whether or not it's revolutionary growing your own. But I would argue that it is in our area. You know, it's definitely not the norm. Off the back of this front garden growing project, me and my wife kind of, we had a little bit of a chat. We had a bit of a, do you guys remember, you know, the sitcom, um, The Good, the good Life? life. Ooh, the old way. Yeah. yeah, we grew up I, with it. <laughs> I, I'll tell you something, right? And this is absolutely terrible, but my first crush was Margot Ledbetter. <gasps> no. Well, people associate me with her. <laughs> associate me with, uh, with that one. Yeah. <laughs> And do you remember there's a moment where Tom and Barbara decide that they're going to make a big life change? We had that moment ourselves off the back of this project because we got a bit fired up about a lot of the things that are currently going on in, in the world and in our country. And we decided to do something about it. It's always a bit dangerous when you get in those moods, isn't it? Yeah. So me and Kate actually set up a community interest company, a non-profit, to go into primary schools in inner city Birmingham and teach food growing. We've applied the same principles that I've applied in that front garden growing project to a school in proper inner city Birmingham. The reaction of those kids made it worthwhile. And there'll be more from Andy later on in this episode. If you want to catch up with more of Andy, don't forget he's also got a podcast with his lovely wife, Kate, called The Growing Up Podcast. We're never going to grow up, are we, Elaine? No, we couldn't have called ours that. No. We don't grow up. Contact the Potty Plotters anytime on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Potty Plotters or email naughtycorner at pottyplotters.uk. We asked you to get in contact with us, and you have. You've been getting in contact with us in your droves. What does that mean, Elaine? <laughs> I don't know, really, but loads of people have. And um, let's have a chat. No, we're not going to have a chat because she actually wrote in, didn't she? <laughs> yeah. So it's Sue from Manchester Way. And uh, she sent a lovely couple of photographs, didn't she, about her... Yeah. Well, it's her middle grandson who's been making bug hotels like we did. Aww. Isn't that lovely? Aww. And uh, what's really nice is that they're really getting into it in a big way. And that's important because he's only a little person. You can relate to that, can't you? Yes, I can. Thank you. And I'll tell you who else has been in contact or rather we didn't contact him we bumped into him didn't we at one of our talks recently and we just want to give a quick shout out to Keith Fern who we talked to in episode 13 and uh, Keith is a brilliant gardener but he's also blind so that was a really interesting chat we had but we just want to give a shout out to Keith and his lovely wife who have been celebrating their 60th wedding anniversary do you think you'll ever get to that Elaine? <laughs> <laughs> if I do, he might not. <laughs> I 
actually, we've also had um, a lady by the name of Jean Harrison contact us on our Instagram, and she says, "Hello, girls." Oh, I like that. I know. Long way off, girls. Yeah. <laughs> Any idea on what to put on slippery slabs? That's easy for me to say, as I live on my own, and the constant wet weather has made them go green in places and very slippery. And it doesn't get much winter sun, thanks. Mm. Now then, what I'm going to tell you is, Jean, make friends with somebody who's got a... Costco card. No. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that where you got it from? <laughs> I thought you were going to recommend that wet and forget that you're always talking about. <laughs> going to say make a friend with somebody who's got some pressure washer not a costco card although i'm sure that you can buy them from costco julia no just a pressure washer because they're quite tricky to handle and they can make it even slippier but once it gets all that green off it will make it much safer for you but yes if you have got a costco card please get it from there if necessary and what i'm going to recommend is wet and forget if you've never heard of it, I can tell you it's absolutely brilliant. You dilute it and you spray it and water it onto not only the slabs, but you can do it on your driveways. It gets rid of uh, all the moss. It stops it growing, actually, and it doesn't harm any of your plants. You can use it up walls as well. I'm looking at producer Gareth just in case he ever needs any wet and forget. Have you got a Costco card? Oh, no. Well, have you? Yes. Okay, Julia has, so make <laughs> friends with her and she'll help you. Oh, I tell you what, this was going to be such an easy podcast, it's turned into a bit of a difficulty. The Plotcast Podcast with the Potty Plotters. Right, let's get back to our interview then with uh, Andy from Urban Herbs. So we've covered about his favourite herbs and about him digging up his front garden. I love that. And, um, And growing salad. But how did he get into growing in the first place? Like a lot of people, I think growing things really skipped my parents' generation. Yeah. But my gran most definitely knew the value of growing things because she grew up on a farm during World War II. In general, there are not that many younger people coming into horticulture, but particularly into production horticulture. And this is something I'm really passionate about because the opportunities are there. It's now harder to bring plant material into the UK. And that naturally, through supply and demand, does create gaps in the market. I'm actually trying to work with a few people. I always phrase it as, you know, they're they're young people of all ages (laughs) who are either career changers or they are looking to go into horticulture as a career, particularly production horticulture. Because, you know, I'm 36. The next youngest grower that I know is in the late 40s. The next youngest above him is in his late 50s. And if you go around the big flower shows, walk around the floral marquees and have a look at the ages of the people running the businesses. You know, we are heading for a shortage of people working in these industries. And I think that would be a terrific shame in 10 years time if you can't get all those weird and wonderful varieties of dahlia or heuchera. So we're trying to work to almost build a ladder that will allow more people to come into this industry. 
How do we get people to realise that there are careers in horticulture that don't require going through universities? That mm. Because I would imagine setting yourself up and, and becoming a grower is quite a gamble yeah. unless you've got some money behind you. How how do we you encourage have people? to have some knowledge yeah. as well, yeah. 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 So, what, what would you say to people, Andy? I think that knowledge is the key, but not necessarily knowledge about growing things. I think... I mean, it's really, really important to say that you're absolutely right that, you know, further education, there is other options. But, and this is a big but, I came into this off the back of doing an undergraduate degree in history and politics and then a master's in the history of religion. Now, all of the skills that I learned doing those degrees, I feel, has almost equipped me to be a kind of a better communicator, but also in terms of business strategy. Yes, I'm going to be really honest with you. I had that background. It basically took me a decade to get from beginning, paying my tuition fees, to where I am now. And where I am now is running Urban Herbs. It's being able to employ several people, including my wife, including my mom, to the point where I'm actually confident enough like in myself to, you know, I've got a book out currently and to be able to almost spend whatever little bit of free time I have putting the information out on social media and trying to get more people into this. Yeah. With all things horticultural, we say patience is probably the most important thing that you need. But a lot of people listening to this, I think, are going to be thinking with patience, you know, the mortgage company isn't going to be that patient. Yeah. Yeah. So what we need to do, in my opinion, is we need to set up that support network that are going to cut out a few kinks. Yeah. A couple of kinks in the journey. That's what I think we need to do. In the last seven days, I've had to become an expert on website DNS settings. You have to be an expert on marketing, setting up the spring marketing campaign. You have to be an expert on Facebook paid advertising. You have to learn about video editing, podcast editing, photography, videography. I've had to learn some DIY because foxes have ripped open the side of our polytunnel. So there's so many different skills. The other thing I just want to say, because I just want to revisit the question you originally asked me about three hours ago and when (laughs) when I started this answer. You know, if I was talking to somebody who was thinking about going into horticulture, I would tell them the story of me and my wife. I would explain to them that we live in a we live in an era where if you go on social media, there's so much being bombarded at you. It's, you know, you've got to have side hustles. You've got to push, push, push. You've got to work harder. You've got to get this. Why? Because you've got to afford that Caribbean holiday every year. Okay, so let me get this straight. The system that we've got is that you've got to basically stress yourself out, exhaust yourself, doing something you don't want to do for 48 weeks out of the year so you can have two weeks of bliss. That doesn't sound right to me. No. Um, Those of you who have listened to our podcast will know that Kate recorded an episode. It was the second episode where she opened up about the, the chronic health condition that she's had over the last 12 months. And what, 18 months now? And it was one of the most brave things I've ever listened to, by the way, because she really put herself out there. And she explained how actually working, you know, giving up her quite stressful job and working with Urban Herbs, don't get me wrong, it is stressful here at times. But when you've spent a stressful day in the office, you get to go outside. In fact, you have to go outside and water the herbs. You have to do some potting. Mm -hmm. And it's about embracing, in my opinion, a slower way of life. When you start to embrace that slower way of life, the results can be very, very unexpected. 
And you just might not be as financially worse off as you think you will be. You know, Kate always says that before she worked with Urban Herbs, the seasons, they were just something that we she used yeah. to experience when she yeah. walked from the car to the front door. Yeah. yeah. Now you live it. Yeah. And the weather forecast is so important, isn't it? We listen to it every day. And then everybody starts to compare what they heard when they get up here as to how much time we've actually got to dig or to do and to spend outside. Yeah. And it's very powerful, actually. Anybody that's got an allotment will know this, that when you get soaked, (laughs) when you're freezing cold, we all complain about it. But secretly, it makes you feel alive, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Although sometimes I think when you're getting older and you're doing projects in the winter, you think, oh, why have we done this? But it does make you feel alive. It's better than being stuck inside, I think. <laughs> and that's that's a brought us straight back to the beginning of our discussion, because I think that engaging the senses, that's why the herbs matter, because one of my customers, actually, he works in psychology and he explained this to me beautifully. You know, he said that most of us spend most of our time living in, I think they call it the front cortex of your brain, you know, the part of your brain that deals with logic and reason. It's the part of my brain that was calculating what time I need to be ready with my microphone and looking sexy to record this podcast. (laughs) But if you can get out of the front cortex of your brain into the rear cortex, and that's the part of your brain that deals with nostalgia, with memory, with emotion. When you rub a herb like chocolate mint, you're directly accessing the rear cortex of your brain. And that has a very, very powerful effect on you in terms of taking you out of whatever stressful thing is happening in your day. And once you discover that, it's so powerful and therapeutic because, you know, again, we all live in increasingly well-insulated homes. We all live lives that are are quite insulated from the changing seasons around us. Mm. And just as it's very, very therapeutic, if challenging, sometimes being cold, being wet, getting soaked, it's the same when you interact with these herb plants. It's the same when you encounter ginger rosemary for the first time. It's the same when you (laughs) finally, you know, you get a variety called lime mint. And lime mint to me is the single strongest variety that we grow. The smell of lime mint, I rub the leaf, it takes me straight to the part of my brain that deals with aroma, with scent. And it takes me away from whatever is going on in my day. And I'm so grateful to those herb plants for that. I think that everybody needs a little herb bed. And when I am Minister for Allotments, Julia, yes. I think that w- that is going to be on the list as well. All right, okay. And we're going to test some of your herbs and let's see what we can conjure up using them. Yeah. Hope everybody else does as well. Thanks so much, guys. See you later. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So if you want to know more about herbs and growing, then you can follow the podcast that he and Kate have done, which is called Growing Up, that that we will never do, Julia. And also you can follow him on Instagram at Urban Herbs UK. Go and have a look what he's been doing. So what have you been doing this week then, Julia? Well, we've been out and about again, haven't we? Talking to people in groups and uh, causing the usual mayhem. In fact, now we're moving to Christmas. The gin has come out when we go to visit the groups. So that livens things up, doesn't it, Elaine? (laughs) And uh, we're back on local regional radio. Local regional? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, it is a thing. Yeah, okay. 
And uh, we're still working on that community project. So we've now got a planting plan for them and we're planning a teaching plan for them, aren't we? Yeah, and I think it goes back to everything that we say. If you don't know what you're doing, research it or find somebody who does know what they're doing. Don't be in a rush to get planting. Sort your plan out first. If you'd like Elaine and Julia to come to a talk for your group, get in touch. Naughty Corner at pottyplotters.uk Well, thanks everybody for listening. And as I've said to uh, Andy and Kate, although we didn't talk to her, I feel like we know her now, from Urban Herbs. Um, well, what are we going to be doing next time then, Julia? Well, What are we going to be doing next time? There's loads to talk about. You've been about. buying amaryllis, haven't you? Why have you been doing it? It's not a drug. It's not anything that should be banned. Well, we'll just tell the listeners to uh, listen in to this one because it's going to be quite interesting and uh, collect any candles that you've got spare knocking around. Yeah, because what we're going to be doing? Uh, You're waxing your amaryllis again, aren't you? (laughs) You can't help yourself, can you? (laughs) No, but I tell you what, it's mesmerising. I bet you've never had yours waxed, have you? The Plotcast Podcast with the Potty Plotters is an Amberland Media Production. 